Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Balance Bond Podcast, Soul on Fire. I'm so excited to have today's guests. Elizabeth Cott and Stephanie Simbari from That's So Retrograde. When I started my podcast, I asked a few of you on Instagram, who are your favorite podcasts? What should I listen to for inspiration? Who would I love? Who do you guys love? And so many people said, listen to So Retrograde. So of course, I listened to you guys above all else. So I went to iTunes, I downloaded their podcast. I quickly realized that they're so funny. Both of these girls are absolutely hilarious. They are really into wellness. They like to try a lot of the same things that I do. They're into kind of just being the happiest, healthiest version of themselves but they would probably laugh if I said that because they are just so witty and clever and amazing. And they make wellness fun and trendy and approachable and modern. And I actually just went to an event that they hosted yesterday at the Den Meditation here in Los Angeles. It was a Reiki meditation. And believe it or not, it was the first time I had ever experienced Reiki. And it was really powerful. We all got to choose crystals. Um, a lot of awesome people I know in the wellness world were there, which showed me even further just how much Elizabeth, Steph, and I were supposed to be in each other's lives. So I'm really grateful and happy for that. I can't wait for you guys to hear everything we talked about. We had a lot of really fun conversation. We touched on what their favorite wellness hacks are, what it's like to be a comedian in Los Angeles, what it's like to basically just be a young woman in the world these days. And their answers were all super fascinating. And I know that you guys are going to get so much out of this conversation. It's kind of like we're all hanging out on my floor sitting with Hudson, which is exactly what we were doing. You'll also laugh a lot because they're hilarious. So I'm also super stoked to tell you that today's episode was brought to you by Rebel Tonics. You guys probably know if you follow my blog or check out my Instagram or any of those things that I'm very into all different types of beverages. I call myself a hashtag beveragey person because that's exactly what I am. Funny story, the beveragey word came from me and Brandon and Hayden. Brandon is the guest of the first ever episode of the Balance Bond podcast. Brandon and Hayden founded Liquid IV, a healthy hydration supplement, two of my closest friends. We started calling each other beveragey back in the day because we couldn't possibly be more beveragey. So let's talk about the fact that Rebel Tonics are kind of my addiction. They're these amazing super elixir drinks. So if you have no idea what a super elixir is, you're probably not the only one. So let me tell you, a super elixir is a drink that has tons of medicinal herbs in it. Um, a lot of these herbs are rooted in Ayurvedic tradition and Rebel takes really great pride in sourcing all of their herbs from farmers, uh, local farmers, family farmers. They get their maca from a Peruvian co-op of family farmers and they know them personally. And it's just really incredible because whenever they can, they use fair trade ingredients, which you know is very important to me. So Rebel Super Elixirs, I actually discovered them several years ago in Whole Foods because when do I not 
discover products that I love when I'm just wandering the aisles of Whole Foods. And they have a lot of different cold brew coffee options with super herbs and elixirs in them. So they're not a juice and they're not a smoothie. They're elixirs um, because they have all of these herbs in them. Some of my favorite herbs that you can find in Rebel Tonics are reishi, which is also known as the divine mushroom of immunity. It's also great to help you sleep and calm the nervous system. It's an adaptogen. Adaptogens are basically formulated for our body's functionality. So they're really great for biological balance, hormone balance, resilience, more, all of that good stuff. Another one of my favorite herbs that they use is ashwagandha. Ashwagandha is incredible for stamina, endurance, physical recovery, stress response, and so much more. Um, My functional medicine doctor actually prescribes me ashwagandha after I teach yoga at night because teaching at night can make me really overstimulated. So just having a little ashwagandha helps to calm my stress response, my fight or flight, and just help my nervous system relax. So a lot of different rebel tonics have ashwagandha in them. They also use turmeric, which is an Ayurvedic herb. You guys know how I feel about Ayurveda. Turmeric is incredible for joint health, respiratory health, digestive wellness. It also tastes really good. You can ask my boyfriend, Jonathan, how much he loves turmeric. He basically just puts it in water and drinks it because he knows it's really good for you and really anti-inflammatory. And it gives everything that gorgeous yellow color. Uh, Rebel also has matcha. Matcha drinks. Uh, Hello, Manda is... Matcha is like the most trendy ever. So I think you probably know what it is. It's that beautiful, bright green color that comes from the green matcha leaf. Matcha helps you feel alert, calm, and gives you sustained energy. So basically, Rebel Tonics are awesome. They support a nonprofit called Not For Sale, which is meant to eradicate human trafficking. So they give 2.5% of all of their net sales to Not For Sale, which I think is amazing because basically companies that are rooted in health and wellness that have a social mission like Rebel does are pretty much the only companies that I want to support these days and ever because they're good for the body. They're good for the world. They give back. Everybody who works for them is incredibly nice. And you know that that's excessively important to me. So... I'm super stoked to tell you that we're doing a Rebel Tonic giveaway to all of you guys. So all you have to do to enter the giveaway is rate this podcast, review the podcast, and subscribe. And once you do that, you can just send me an email to jordan at thebalancedwan.com with your screenshot of that. And you'll be entered to win the Rebel Tonic giveaway. You'll get a case for you and a case for your best friend. So this is giving back too, because you're going to be giving adaptogens, herbs, and elixirs to your best friend. How incredible is that? So again, all you have to do is subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. If you have questions about how to do that, you can ask me. But basically, you just go into the iTunes store, type in the Balance Bond podcast, and then there will be a section to rate and review. So you give your stars, you say, what's up? And you review it. And Also, that means a lot to me because that will make this podcast more visible in iTunes so that it can reach more people. So pretty stoked about all of that, but especially stoked to do this giveaway for you guys because I like to share all the stuff that I love. And thank you to Rebel Tonics for making this happen. So Rebel, if you wanted to look them up, is R-E-B-B-L. So you can find them on Instagram, find them online, social media. They're in Whole Foods and shop away, especially if you're going to win the giveaway, you're going to become addicted. So let's now hop into the episode. That's so retrograde. Elizabeth Cott, Steph Zimbari, and yours truly. guys so i'm sitting here with the girls from that's so retrograde an awesome podcast if you haven't listened to it yet you absolutely have to everybody who listens to this podcast pretty much knows that i don't listen to a lot of podcasts i'm always looking for podcasts to listen to 
And their podcast came so highly recommended by so many of you guys who listen. So I started listening a couple months ago. I think when I drove to NorCal for Thanksgiving, that's when I got really hooked and noticed that they also have had on so many of my friends and just like, it's a small world here in LA. So I feel like I know them. Now they're in my apartment. We're sitting here. We're going to start the interview. So I'll let them introduce themselves. We are all sharing a microphone. They've agreed to do that because... They're very cool and down to earth. And that's our only option today. So here they are. They're going to say hi. What if we were like, oh, you only have one microphone. We're out of here. We're not doing this podcast. Namaste. Um, My name is Stephanie Simbari. And I'm really happy to be here and just be having this intimate mic sharing moment. So thank you. Also enjoying the intimate mic sharing moment. I'm Elizabeth Cott. Thank you so much for having us, Jordan. This is great. Yeah. So I've just been really excited to have them on because their podcast is very focused on wellness. But like I was telling them before we started, they live a very balanced life. So it goes right along with the balanced blonde lifestyle because they're into wellness, but they also live very active, full social lives. They drink alcohol. They do fun stuff, which I think... Yeah, some months. I know. And I'm off and on with all of that too. So... I think where we should start, and then I want to hear all about your podcast. And I mean, I want to tell everybody all about it, but I think a fun place to start would be what does balance mean to each of you in your lives and how do you maintain balance? Oh, well. (laughs) Yeah. um, (laughs) In my life, balance has a lot to do with feeling well rested. That's like the number one thing for me. I know that I'm out of balance if I'm like, exhausted. So I guess it would be doing things that create a sense of being both energetic and calm, which is somewhat of a balance. So that would be like sleeping and hydrating and exercising, but then also like not being too rigid with those things and like allowing yourself to say yes, like a drinks on a Tuesday or, you know, just because you went out on a Friday and someone invites you on a set, like go, go do fun stuff and like know that when you need to get your rest, you'll get it. And I think just not stressing yourself out or being too judgmental about like the way you spend your time because you think you need to be a certain way is like a really important thing to be mindful of. Balance is also eating well and showering is important, (laughs) taking the vitamins you need to take, you know, and also having time with your friends, but also having time with yourself. You guys get it. You guys know. (laughs) I would describe balance as alignment. And for me to keep myself most in alignment, I always just need to put my, much like Stephanie said, like rest and the idea of my well-being first, which is hard. You know, we, there's a lot of times, at least I'll speak for myself that we can be running ourselves to the ground and not even realize that we need to take a beat. So being mindful of, of for me, stretching my day and like giving myself breaks and allowing that to be okay and taking care of myself in a way that our society doesn't really foster those ideas, right? Like I feel as if now, you know, we talk about this often that technology is really pulling us away from our natural rhythm. And um, so to, to tune into that and whatever modality that is, whether it be obviously meditation, right? But just checking in is so important. And breathing. We love to breathe. <laughs> yes, we're, we're huge breathers. I, people forget to breathe. I, every time I tell somebody that I'm stressed out, they're like, are you breathing? Like, <laughs> no, but I need like, to be. I to stay alive. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Those are great tips, especially what you said about technology, I think, because I've just, I'm so addicted to technology. I realize it more and more every day and I hate to be because... You're a brand girl. Yeah, I know I am. So I'm all over social media all the time, but it really does take me out of my head and... 
I just got back from Bora Bora and I feel like I was on my phone more than ever before because I was just excited about sharing everything. And I don't know if there was necessarily anything wrong with that, but that's definitely not how travel used to be for me. It was much more like disconnecting and, and tuning out. So it's a good point for sure. Yesterday, it's funny. My brother texted me. He's a little bit younger than us. And he was like waiting for me at, at a, a restaurant. Text me. He's like, have you ever realized like how not present your phone and texting makes you? He's like, and I was like, yeah, I think about that like every day. And he's like, so it's weird. Like I wasn't using my phone. And then randomly I was like talking to a guy at this bar about like how my shoes need to be shined. And I was just like, oh my God, millennials, like forget that you can just be having a conversation. Digital detox once in a while. It's something that I talk about a lot. And I know you guys know Jerry Hirsch. She's always talking about it on her blog. And it always inspires me every time I see it because it's a reminder, even for those of us who take that really seriously. I still need that reminder, at least like in the mornings before I wake up, digital detox, before I wake up, obviously, but before I like really start my day, hopefully not in my sleep, I'm scrolling my phone. I mean, I wouldn't put it past me. You, like you can catch yourself when you're um, being a little bit too obsessive with your phone. Like I feel like I have this thing in my brain where I realize when I'm doing it, if I'm like re- refreshing Instagram or just looking at my phone, knowing that there's nothing there, I have this thing where I'm like, okay, you're being compulsive now. You're not doing this for any purpose. And I get like scared and stressed because I almost feel like I ha- I can't stop for a second. Yeah. It's weird. It's like a creepy feeling actually. It no, it's freaky. I've definitely had that feeling before. The problem is I feel like there's always so much to be done on the phone that it, I don't, I find myself less and less doing like the mind, mindless scrolling and always like responding or ch- going, ch- clicking over to the emails or it's all just so unnecessary. I just, it's not fun. But anyways, um, to move on from phones for now, I want you guys let's to tell people, window, yeah, right let's now. chuck our phones out the window. Best idea ever. <laughs> I want you guys to tell everybody about your podcast And I also want to hear how the podcast got started because I'm really fascinated with just hearing like how ideas came to fruition. And I know you've been doing it for a while because you have like over 80 episodes or more. Um, So I want to know when did you start it? Whose idea was it? Like I want to know all the details. Here's the so retrograde origin story. Sit back and take get comfortable, guys. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so Stephanie and I were dear friends for a while. And we I used to have a fashion company called Closet Rich, which was an online consignment business. And through that, we had this brilliant idea to write comedy sketches um, and feature all the clothes that was for sale on the site. They're like these fashion abortion joke uh, comedy sketches <laughs> that... Um, essentially, basically, if you boil it down, um, that we did with two other of our girlfriends who are also comedians. And that was honestly one of the most magical collaborative experiences I'd ever had. And it's pretty wonderful when you can create and be so um, nourished by an experience that when you're collaborating with friends, it's pretty spectacular. So we had had that experience. And um, basically, I was styling a TV show for the E! Network and the production company that was the Grace Helbig show. I don't know if you... No one saw it. Um, the And the company that... The production company that did that, they were starting a digital department for podcasts, essentially to be an incubator space to test out concepts to go to web and TV pitched the idea through that because, you know, just like a little on that hustle, five foot girl and (laughs) woman. And uh, they liked the idea, boy, sometimes, Steph. uh, And then they were like, it needs to be a duo. And I was like, well, you should talk to my friend. We talk about this is pretty much the shit we talk about constantly all the time forever and ever. And uh, that's kind of how it was born. The title came from a tweet that Steph had that she said that's a retrograde one time. And we knew our first episode was going to be about retrograde because it was something that was so much in the lexicon that I felt like 
what is it? Like, let's really unpack what a retrograde is. What's Mercury retrograde? And she said, we were talking about the episode. She said it and we both like paused. We were so stoned. Um, We both (laughs) paused and we were like, that's the title for the entire show, not just that first episode. And that was two years ago. We just had our second birthday. Well, no, that's a lie. That was in September. So about like two and some change years ago. And then we did about 11 episodes before we pushed our first episode live, which was two years ago last week, February 12th, 10th, something like that. Yeah. So yeah, we have a two-year-old. She walks, she talks. She's going to be beautiful. <laughs> um, and yeah, the whole idea... Here, I'll let Steph talk about the idea of Well, the idea of the show is to present the information that we were seeking as women who want to take care of ourselves, but also and want to know about spiritual things and astrology and all the things that help you live a life that values well being above all else, but in a way that is fun. Like, we both of us were kind of like looking for these resources that could give us this information in a way that we like understood and could apply to our own life. And we both were like, this is like such a snooze. Like this is so just it felt, yeah, it's like dense and it's inaccessible. And it feels like if you want to be this kind of person, you can't be that kind of person. And it's very like one way or the other, like the wellness world felt. And in the past couple of years, I will say this has changed. It's definitely become much more like mainstream. People that don't live in New York and LA are like, have information about, you know, drinking other things besides whole milk or whatever, as an example, you know? Um, so our goal was just to have fun with it and really like prov- provide the information that we were seeking ourselves. And that's what it's really become. It's just become like all all bets are off, all inclusive, just like, yeah, <laughs> explorative quest of like, what are all the things we can do and try and eat and drink and talk about that will make us feel our best, look our best and... Yeah, we just want to feel good, truly. And like, we want our brains to be working and we want our bodies to be working. And like, you know, I think that our our parents' generation kind of has a thing where it's like, well, you just get older and you kind of slug through the shit and like your bodies break down and like deal with it. And it's like, no, like, look at like pictures of Iyengar, who's a yogi for those of you who don't know your yogis. Um, He's doing like literal backbends at 85 years old. It's like, if he can do that, that proves that your body doesn't just have to like decompose and turn into like a rock solid mass that you can't use for your whole life. And I feel like that's just what we want is to like be vibrant. Yeah. I want multiple orgasms at 90. How do I get that? <laughs> um, did I answer the question? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I love it. That's, my dream podcast, like what you just <laughs> described. It's so much fun. It's I think it's like what my friends and I talk about all the time. Also, my friends who are also in the wellness space, like how can we continue to make wellness fun for people? I think I have a cat hair in my throat. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. I know, seriously. Um, continuing to <laughs> <Not> make wellness, <laughs> wellness fun for wellness. people. So <laughs> yeah, that is so retrograde for sure. Um, of course, I have a cat hair in my throat. I actually saw... No, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I I recently had um, the How You Glow girls on my podcast and Jessie's really not into cats. She's afraid of cats. And I saw her picking cat hair out of the microphone and I was like, oh God, that's when I know I need to like probably switch up my office space and perhaps, you know, not always work from home and podcast from home, but it's all part of the ambiance of the lifestyle, I guess. But as I was saying, I think um, what I'm always talking about and thinking about is how to make wellness fun for people and this information that we obviously are all interested in from Reiki to having our nutritionists on to boutique fitness classes, healthy restaurants in Los Angeles, cleanses, detoxes without being like the most extreme horrible juice cleanses that I totally don't recommend to people. Um, But how do you make that information interesting and not totally dry and boring? So that's really awesome that that's what you guys have set out to do. And 
if you throw in a dick joke here and there, people tend to really pay attention. Okay, yeah, that's why I love you guys because you're... Okay, so for everybody listening, if if you haven't figured this out, they're both comedians. They are so funny, which also I think I'm like... I don't consider myself to be that funny and I would be terrified to get on stage and like do stand-up comedy or something. So that's something I also want to ask you guys about is because you do that, right? I want to hear about (laughs) Uh, Don't do it. (laughs) It's not a good choice. (laughs) Yeah. um, Well, what do you want to hear about it? Just like like, what's like my malfunction that would make me kind of choose that? I just want to know what's the process? Is it just improv that you do or do you do a whole bunch of stuff? Well, uh, ideally I would be writing, but I don't know. (laughs) Um, It's a mixture. Like, you know, I've been doing it for the better part of eight years. So aside from the last year, I was going writing all the time and going up all the time. And it was, it's just like one of those things where you have to fully... 100% 100% commit. Like my first four years of doing stand up, I like lost everything that like, I like lost all my money. I like lost friends. Like I lost everything because I like was just, I felt like I had to burn it all down to like just focus on that. It, it was a little extreme, to be honest with you. I was doing like open mics like seven nights a week and like I had no social life. It was really intense. And then I realized that I was miserable and I had to f- talk about balance. I had to like, find a way to like work hard in that world, but not sacrifice every single other thing that made me feel good. And in the past three, four years now on the back end that we've been doing this and I've just grown up, I'm like, maybe I don't like, I'm so happy I've had that experience, but I don't know that I need to be, you don't need to make yourself miserable to to get good at something, but that is very much like the stand-up comedy way of thinking and doing things. Like, People in that world don't really think that it's possible to be happy and be funny. And I just like don't believe that. I I forget which book it was. Maybe it was The War of Art or maybe it was The Artist's Way, two of my favorite books on creativity. But one of them says like, and it also might be like an Eckhart Tolle idea where like people think that like if they're attached to like their pain or their misery, that's the only way you can be an artist, which is a very like... 18th, 19th century way of like thinking about art. And I just feel like we're growing and transitioning into like a different kind of like age of enlightenment where you can like have joy, but also be creative. And so that's been my second half of the journey of being like, how can I... And maybe I I don't really want to do that much stand up at this point in my life because I would rather like live to my fullest, most fun. Like socializing is feeding me more maybe right now than like doing stand up. That being said, we do have our show that we do live and it's really fun and it kind of keeps me like in that mindset and like I feel it's just like a gym, you know, like you just keep going up and you just keep like working on your rhythm, telling your stories. I'm rambling because I don't fucking know why I do it, but it's hard, you know, but anything that you do and you commit to is going to be hard and you should do something as long as it's like vibing with you and as long as you feel aligned with it. And then if you start to like not super feel aligned with it, then just like recalibrate. I think that something that I've been, I've struggled with and I'm kind of getting out of is like having to define myself by one thing or like I'm a comedian, so I have to do it this way. And it's like, I'm just a communicator and a creator. And like, if that means that I do stand up for eight years or and then I do a podcast and then I do this and then I do that, it doesn't, there's no like defining thing that like makes a life like worthy or important. It's like as long as you're doing what's like right for you, that's what like a career is made out of. And that's a really difficult thing to wrap your mind around, especially if you're like a hard worker or someone who like sees the path, you know, the path of comedy. You're supposed to do like certain things. And it's like, mm. Except I don't want to be on fucking Prozac. Right. (laughs) You know, I don't want to have to take Xanax seven days a week so I can like get through a writing session with myself. Like, I'm okay. For sure. I think that goes for everything too. Like for everybody listening who does other stuff beyond comedy or writing. It's just, I've had a similar experience um, where I define myself so much as a blogger or a writer or a yogi where then it's like, does it make sense to have a podcast? And people actually warned me against it just for one example, but so many other things. And 
the less that I attach myself to those labels and those things, the happier I am, the more vibrant my brand is because maybe I'm not blogging every day anymore, which I'm not. I mean, it's gone from like five days a week to once a week, maybe twice a week, but I have the podcast and I've been traveling and, um, events and teaching yoga and all that kind of stuff, just for example. So I think anybody can kind of take what you just said and bring it into their own life and think like, just because your your path has been one thing or like your college major, it doesn't mean that you have to just go on with that. I mean, I left grad school to pursue my blog. So I left the path, but like that was scary. And I feel like people are scared to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, I want to hear your story too because I know you were in fashion and now you do this and I want to hear about that journey. Oh, so yeah. So I had I had been in fashion and I had, you know, I really have always in my life just followed my my instincts. As Gabby Bernstein said very long time ago, she said, your, uh, your intuition is your business partner. And I've always, always led with that concept. And because of that, I I kind of like allowed myself to be pushed through my... I, I like to say like the angels were pushing my back into like different experiences. Um, I started in PR, working in celebrity PR, and then kind of moved into like fashion digital space because based on when I graduated school, if you knew how to set up a Facebook page, you were an asset for a brand because all of the sudden... Facebook was a huge tool for marketers. And so I kind of found myself in the digital space. And from that, was hired by Rachel Zoe to start the Zoe Report. And so we conceptualized that and I managed that and her online partnerships left there and then ended up starting Closet Rich, which was my online consignment company, which was my baby. And it was amazing. And I was 25 and I had this beautiful vision and it hit. And for for five years, it hit every single mark that my vision dreamt of. But by the time I was 30, you know, I wanted different things. And that was a really interesting concept to grapple with and to experience because when you start something and it's your child and you are so nurtured by it for so long, and you're no longer nurtured by it. It's like that entrepreneurial mind. Like, what do we do? Do we stick with it? Do we move through it? Or do we really listen to our gut? And do we close the door on it? So I, I ended up closing the door on it. And um, not that I didn't love it and honor it, but it just was time to move into other things. And that was creating and writing and producing and hosting and all of these things that I always sort of dabbled in under the umbrella within the fashion space, fashion digital space, but like really fully pivoted out of that. And um, it was scary and exhilarating and totally inspiring all at the same time. So now here we are. And what's fun is that I, from all that experience as an entrepreneur um, and creating brands and working with other brands and all that, I've really taken like the like mulling through the mud that I felt like I was doing. Like I always felt like I was going uphill with like a 10 pound backpack on like constantly. I've been able to help a lot of other friends and uh, colleagues like really help get their ideas off the ground and really be of support. And that has been... that That's kind of what drives me right now is to help other people. Yes, Steph? Yeah. Like to that, because I think like we're both kind of saying the same thing about like having a path that you think looks one way and then you allow yourself to be present with like your wants and your needs and what changes as you grow older and to trust that your experience, like her experience in fashion and me doing so much stand up, it's like everything lends itself to like the next thing that you do. If you allow yourself to transform and to evolve and you don't stay stuck in one definition of yourself, like you were saying. So it's all about like knowing that each thing on your path lends itself to like the next thing. And to, with that, I feel faith, it gives you the ability to like loosen your grip a little on the judgment. Because I remember when you were transitioning, it was really hard. So hard. And we would like have so many conversations and you were like emotional and you just, you couldn't let it go. And it's because it's scary to be like, this is who I was for so long. And what does it mean if I suddenly yeah, don't okay. do that? And it's like, it doesn't mean anything. It means that like your next best thing is like right, waiting for you and has is yet to come. So... I think that's... I wish someone fucking told me that. (laughs) Well, now we're telling... We're telling you guys that who are listening. Yeah, seriously. Take take that 
take take that seriously because it's so true. I think it takes such bravery and courage to walk away from something that you've invested a ton of time in, especially if you love it and it's your baby. It's one thing if you don't love it, it's still hard if you've invested the time. But if you love it and that was like your first company, that was your baby, your child. And then to think like the chapter might be better off being closed is really scary, really scary. But I think it's part of life. And I think all the happiest people I know and all the most successful people that I know, but like I define success along with happiness. So that type of success too, are people who always allow themselves to evolve. And like you just quoted Gabby Bernstein, she's like my guru when it comes to all that kind of stuff, because your intuition is your business partner and your best friend. And you should always listen to your intuition. And I think... If you don't have a relationship with your intuition and your gut and your heart and your soul and all these things that like might sound totally foreign to a lot of people, then you actually, you can never come to that decision about whether it actually is a good or bad idea to close the door on something. So my question for you that goes along with that for both of you is what kind of routine do you have to be in touch with your intuition. So whether it's like a self-care routine or fitness or like a combination or if there's... I mean, I have like a whole team. I have a therapist and I have a functional medicine doctor and I do yoga and I do uh, meditation. And I mean, the list goes on, but I want to hear what your routines are in terms of self-care and all that good stuff. Well, I get up in the morning and I wash my face. No, um, I do. But it's a good one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you. I went to Dr. Mirad yesterday in the flesh and he, I went to their, yeah. And I got to go to their headquarters and he met with me and it was really cool. Uh, Yeah. And I was like, be my, be my daddy, grandpa. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Love him. Um, So routine. So this is something that we talk about a lot on surgery. We love hearing other people's rituals, um, especially what helps keep them grounded. What, I've really gleaned from all of those conversations is it's not one size fits all and every day is different. Steph and I both subscribe to this idea. I know what I can do currently. Like I'll tell you where I'm at now and what's keeping me really on track. And that's I like feel really stoked about the day if I do the following. I wake up, (laughs) open my eyes. Okay, I wake up and um, I have the first... I follow this guy. Um, I first converse thing I think of is like five things I'm grateful for right off the bat. And it's like, I've trained my brain to just go there. Um, that's really helpful. And it really shifts the day right off the bat. Um, and then I've started meditating right when I wake up. I'm really new to a daily meditation practice. This is something that I've started at the beginning of this year, which is funny because we talk so much about the the tool of meditation but like for me I just had to find it within my own my own time and that's I think that's a huge lesson of like especially for a lot of listeners who are like I should be meditating I should be this I should be that it's like you'll get there you'll get there give yourself permission to play around with it and let it find you just as much as you're finding it and then um I'll do morning pages which as Steph mentioned the artist way which is just a three page just writing whatever comes to mind and brain drain, brain dump, whatever you want to call it. Though, If I do those three things, the gratitude, the writing, and the 10 minutes, it's like my day is a whole other thing. Mind you, a lot of times I'll check my phone and my emails before I do that. And that's okay. Like that's fine. I'm still... I can still reset. If I turn the corner into like the Instagram, the emails, the, the immediately getting what I'm going to do, I literally get a headache. It starts my day in like this weird, foggy, icky place, which I hate. And then I um, really quickly, I do make tonics every morning and that are like my... Like we're probably going to open a tonic bar. That's so retrograde. (laughs) So it changes, but I've become like very heavy into this. I've always been very passionate about cooking. And this has been like this really fun experimental thing. Um, today I did... Well, today I did a smoothie. <laughs> um, but generally in a tonic, I'll do sex dust from moon juice, hot water, almond milk, um, coconut butter, which is like the dream in life. And then I'll add 
matcha or I'll stew tea and put it in or put in coffee, just kind of depending where I'm at. And then I whip it all up and it's just like heaven in a little jar. Also, um, got, is it Gaia Brands? They make this turmeric uh, golden milk that's like already kind of like pre-mixed. That's a great one too. It kind of just depends. And then, oh, and then yummy, uh, amazing grass, which I'm we're obsessed with right now. They're so good. We could talk products forever. But um, also Brain Octane from Bulletproof. I throw that in there and I'm like flying high and living my life. So if I start the morning, it's quiet. It's good. I give myself time. Things things are on the right track. Also, if my room is clean. I mean, yeah. The organization. I need to start doing my dishes as like a ritual, I think. I see them building up and I'm just like, you're a monster. Yeah. That is not... Okay. What if someone came over? You'd be like, well, just don't go in that room because there's... I tell people that. Like, no, 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 no. Don't look at my kitchen right now. Like, Yeah, no. I know. Okay. I'm going to start throwing that in. But so um, something that Elizabeth said in the beginning that I really want to reiterate is like the whole every day is different kind of thing. Even though you do want to have like a routine or a ritual or something that habits that make you feel grounded, I think that something that people get trapped in is this like cycle of feeling beholden to these things and then they lose their impact and their point entirely because then you're just being neurotic about having time. It's like it becomes like exactly the opposite of what it's supposed to be doing at all. Um, But to know what the things are that get you to that place is what's important and when you can fit those in. So for me, it's like I need to stretch. I wake up. I climb out of my cocoon. (laughs) Um, And the best day is when I can go immediately from my bed to my yoga mat in my living room and just give myself like, yeah, literally like 10 to 15 minutes of just in a downward dog, like breathing is enough to make me feel so awake. I also feel I need to lay in my bed for a few minutes and just blink and like let the light come into my eyes because I feel like that is like the first like what really wakes me up is the sun mm-hmm. and if I don't like look outside or acknowledge that that's a thing I feel tired for many more hours which is interesting I also have a dog so I have to walk him which is part of it and I started leaving my phone at home when I walk my dog it's crazy how I notice I notice the difference even if I don't use it, if it's just not on my person, I can't recommend that enough as like a, an everyday experience. Like, and at first it's like anxiety provoking. Like I can't, you mean, I, I'm not gonna have my phone for this walk around my block. Well, what if, you know, and then what if I need it? What if an emergency happens? What if somebody attacks me? It's like, nothing is gonna happen in 10 minutes that you, it's fucking psychotic. So, and then, um, I also, I really need to like write more. I know that that's something that I need to be giving myself time for. Not just journaling because I've been journaling pretty much since I could, since I was like eight years old. I found a journal from when I was eight years old, like five years ago. And it said, um, <laughs> I have a crush on Michael, but Michael has a weird nose. But that doesn't matter because it's not Michael's nose that I'm dating. It's Michael. Oh my God. So deep. Like such a deep eight-year-old. <laughs> it was like one of those journals with like the lock on it, you know? And yes. a princess. My mom saved it. So weird. Um, but I... So I, I set this thing up for myself where I put money in a jar. And every time that I do like creative writing, I pay myself. So to to like kind of set that that idea that like if you're doing the work, you're you're making money. I know that's like weird, but I thought I needed to set up a system of of reward for myself because it's just so easy as someone who identifies in some part as a writer. I think the number one thing I avoid doing is that. And so reward yourself and not with like a... I used to reward myself with weed, but I don't think that's really what I need right now. (laughs) I think money is really what I'm looking for. Um, So yeah. And then a meditation. We got these... um, I got really into selenite earlier this year. Such a cool crystal. And I had a wand that I was like literally strapping to my head and meditating with. It was really cool. I felt like an alien child. But then it broke into a million pieces. And then we got gifted these like selenite. What are they? Yeah, they're like these cylinders and they fit. 
they feel like a superhero kind of like weapon thing. And I and I've been sitting with them and meditating. And I don't know if it's the crystals or just like what it is, but I'm going in for like 20, 30 minutes sitting there. So good. And you got me onto the Brian Eno music. Although I I do that with for the stretching and then I I like to be I'm a silent meditator. Um, but I find that using crystals in a meditation is a nice way to like, like you said, it's difficult, I think, when you feel like you're by yourself when someone for someone who doesn't know how to like tap in or like connect with yourself, so to speak. If you have a tool like a crystal that's like a grounding thing, I feel like they're a friend that I'm like, okay, now we're gonna like do this thing together. And that's like a fun way to motivate and stay grounded to that practice. But yeah, every I don't do it every day because sometimes I wake up 35 minutes before I have to go do something and you just have to like, yeah, you're not going to be like, I can't do this day because I haven't meditated. It's like, take a couple deep breaths, get fucking focused and get out there. Like, that's it. For sure. Yeah, these tips are amazing. I'm learning so much. I'm I'm so excited about this because I'm so the type of person who I'm very extreme. So if I have a routine, that is my routine. It is my go-to and it can be hard when I don't do it because I'm like, ah, oh, no, my day, I didn't get to meditate. I, I'll, you know, just like go down the rabbit hole of then like, well, I guess it's going to be a stressful day. I, just, I guess I'm just going to be stressed out the whole day. Yeah, but do you and, see that those thoughts are like... Yeah, and those are negative thoughts. Yeah. So I, of course, I, I'm self-aware enough to know that that's what's going on. And sometimes I can catch it. Sometimes I can't. But I love that you both said that it's, it is not necessarily an everyday practice, but you have these tools to go to because that's all that you really need. You just need to know like, what are your go-tos for when you have time and when you can make time? Then you just have to remind yourself to make time. Like I try to leave open blocks in my calendar for all this kind of stuff that we're talking about and the writing and... I too, like that's the the focus this year is to just like do, well, that's my job, but it's what I love and I don't even do it. Like when was the last time I sat down to just write for fun? I find myself writing and I'm like, wow, I really like doing this. And I'm like, yeah, you really like doing this. Like, why are you not doing that? You could literally spend so much time just doing it. That's what blows my mind. I'm like, why do I never take the time? with stuff like writing or like meditating or any kind of like self-care, it doesn't necessarily feel quote unquote productive in the way that like society has trained us to think things are productive. And because it's such a solo experience of writing and meditating, walking, whatever it is, making a tonic, it's like, it's just solo for you. And so it's, it's hard for us to like create our own validation in that way, I think. Yeah. And that's the challenge of being like, this is productive because I say it is because this is what I want my life to be. Not because someone's, that's why I put the money jar out. Cause I'm like, it's my pretend someone being like, good for you. You made a dollar. I think that's like the best entrepreneurial tip I've heard in a long time really? is that, well, yes, to be, to just like have the faith that what you're doing is productive. Mm-hmm. Because I think so many people just get down on themselves if they're doing something that they love and it's not yet their career or even a career path for them. And they just think, why would I spend the time doing this? It's not productive. Yeah. Like new bloggers, for example, or new podcasters or people who are trying to write a book, like a novel or a screenplay. I think just having that type of confidence that it is productive. It's actually productive, which I have written here because I was listening before you guys got here to your Reiki episode with Kelsey, who you guys are hosting an event with soon. And something I loved that she said was that basically to like start being a Reiki master and teaching this awesome spiritual practice, which if you guys are listening and don't know what Reiki is, you should go listen to the episode. It's super fascinating on their podcast. Um, Basically, to start healing people with this amazing spiritual method, she had to get out of her head and had to get out of her own way, eliminate self-doubt, tap into what was actually going on, but like trust that it was actually going on. And I've heard this. I'm totally fascinated by like um, mediums and animal communication and that kind of stuff. And everybody says, just eliminate the self-doubt. Just get out of your own way. So I think as far as like the type of alternative careers that all three of us have with the writing and comedy and podcast and all this stuff that we do, I think that is a big obstacle getting out of your own way. So um, 
But the question that I wrote down here is, have you had that get out of the way moment? Like, is there... Was there something that like tipped you over? Like when you were doing fashion? Yeah. I mean, for the podcast, but for anything, like it could be for writing or... For the podcast, like we have each other. So that's like, that's like the number one thing that made us like not have the doubt because we have our own peripheral doubt within our own career paths. But with the show... It was like we had each other to be like, we're on the right track. This feels really good. Like we had a constant like check-in and like accountability per person. And we still have that. So I feel like that that gets us through that with within the partnership at least. But on a solo tip. Oh, well, how'd you phrase it? Get out of my own way moment. I think that to go back to when I I really like I when I decided that I didn't think that the fashion world and what I was doing was really serving me anymore. That probably took nine months for me to, from like the time I like really came to terms with that internally versus like put action towards that. And what was interesting is um, I had been styling and I was just like so fucking sick of schlepping clothes around. And like, it just was brutal. It was just like not where I was at. I was like, anytime someone would ask like, what do you do? And I would always just say I'm a stylist because it was just easy. My like a piece of me would die inside because I knew like I'm so much more than just that. But like for the sake of like not trying to engage in conversation about it, I would just be like, I'm in fashion. I'm a stylist. Next question. Um, there was a moment in which, you know, the podcast for the first year basically was like the third job that I had. You know, I was like, I had Closet Rich. I had styling business. I was consulting. And then I also had this podcast. And there was a time in which I was like, okay, I got to just stop with the styling because it's making me miserable. And I was able... And I just thought, okay, why don't I... Like this podcast feels like... This is where my heart is. This is like where... So let me just put... Give it a month. Put attention towards the podcast and see what happens. And I asked my guides for a sign. And within the fifth day of having just deciding that, we ended up on the iTunes new and noteworthy page. And I was like, yep. And that to me in in reflection really was a tipping point of like doubling down on what our vision was and that it was actually something worth going for. I love that. That's so cool. I love that you asked for a sign (laughs) because I'm all about that. Ever since Gabby Bernstein's latest book, I always look for signs and they present themselves when you're on the right path. They 100% do. You just have to be open to the universe. And I think people who listen to this podcast know what some of my signs are, but like the number 201 reappears in my life every single day. I live in a 201 apartment. It's just like this crazy thing. You have a number? What's your number? It's 138 and it comes up all like I have a Dropbox folder that I've had for like three years that just is all the times that this number comes through. They're like screen caps and pictures and just it's I'm it's it's my my angel number. Yeah. Okay. I love that yours is also three digits because people always like look at me like I'm crazy when I say that. But when you have your 138th episode of the podcast, because you haven't yet, right? You should do something big. You guys should have like a party along with it because it's so special. Like those are so cool. That's one of my signs. I have um, like some animal signs and other things too, but it's really fun. Um, so... Let's see. I have so many fun questions for you guys while you're here. But um, what would be, since you have probably tried so many different wellness things that are really out of the box ever since you started the podcast, do you? what would be your go-to weirdest wellness tip? Wellness tip? Or wellness like habit, anything. I'll just say this and then maybe you can remind me of something else that we've done. But my weirdest wellness tip for anyone who has digestive issues is to get your poo tested. And I know that just sounds horrible and it is not the best process, but I was told to do it in like 2005 and I could not get myself to do it because I had to like poop in a jar and like scoop it out. and, And I just was like... I know I feel horrible, but it's not worth it for me to have to like sort through my own shit. And then literally, yeah. And then like seven years later or something, another doctor that that was like, that was when I lived in New York. My like family physician had told me to do that. And I was like, it can't, you know? And then all these years later, this other doctor who I went to was like, do that. And I did it. And like, it was the most illuminating 
important thing I've done for my health. It was definitely the thing that like kicked off much of my understanding about like how my gut works and how my own personal body works and what would be best for me. I ended up discovering that I have an egg white allergy, which is like so significant to like, and like my immune system has never been stronger since I stopped eating egg. Like I just had all these weird problems from it. Um, so get your poo tested guys, because like <laughs> our food source now is just so, we're in completely uncharted territory in terms of like what's good for you and what's bad for you. And there isn't like a one size fits all diet and all these fads and all these things that people are like, if you just drink like coconut butter or whatever, like you'll live forever. You know, there's all these different kinds of things, but it's like, it's just, it's individual everything is specific to your body. And I feel like get yourself, if you have any kind of problems, find someone near you who's like a naturopath or a doctor who goes to the other side, doesn't just give you medicine, tries to figure out what's really going on because that will just unlock your understanding in the biggest way. I don't know if that's the weirdest, but it's the most significant thing I could tell people to do. I like that. Yeah. Um, Mike switch. Hi. Um, I don't know if it's weird as opposed to more like just untraditional, but I've suffered from really terrible period cramps my since I was 11 years old. I got my period really young. Hey, um, hey, hormones in water, whatever the fuck happens. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know why I got my period when I was 11. Anyway, overshare. Um, right. You know, we're on brand. Um, I uh, found a really fantastic... Uh, THC CBD suppository and um, elevate your hips for about 20 minutes and it pretty much gets your ovaries or your reproductive system to relax and stoned. Yeah. And uh, it's the one of the only things that works for me and you just do it when you, you have cramps. It's like if you were to take like an Advil or whatever the case may be and it's from a brand called Foria they're based here in California. And um, that has been a total game changer and is really, really helping people. We had them on the show. We had a great episode with them. And yeah, so I recommend that if anyone's suffering from crampage, look into it. Good tips for sure. I think a lot of people listening definitely have gut digestive problems because I certainly do. I talk about it a lot and I know so many people in the world can relate to that. It sucks. It's just... the creepiest thing about food recently. This is so gross. Okay, so I've been gluten-free on and off for 12 years. When I'm off, it's because I'm being rebellious and I'm like, I can eat gluten. It's like a mind thing. You know, you're like, I can just use my brain to, to be healthy. It's not true. But okay, in America, this is so weird. Grain, all grains like rice, wheat, corn, all that stuff, not buckwheat and not quinoa, but like every other thing that's a grain. In America, they're grown. And then because of whatever the way the farming is, then they're stored in these silos on the farms. And in the silo, all the grains grow mold. And then like the Food and Drug Administration, whoever regulates it, has decided that if they just spray the grains down and the mold gets off the casing, then it's fine. But you're, it's not. So basically like all rice in America is moldy rice and corn. It's so just, it's like the creepiest thing ever. Cause it's like, they just say, oh, it's clean now. There's no mold on it, but it's like inside, like it's in the spine of the grain. So I don't really know what the solution is, but it's just like really creepy when like you don't, when it's like, oh, maybe if I just eliminate gluten, I'll stop having like the bloat or I'll stop. It's like, no, there's a really dark underbelly of like what is happening with the food here. And yeah, yeah, just keep going on that exploration until you figure out what. 100%. Yeah. I think that's why, it, I mean, you just have to be so mindful of where your food comes from when you can. I mean, because you can't control everything, but to be mindful is so important. And, you know, go to the farmer's market, buy stuff from local farmers when you can't. And because that kind of stuff, especially for people with digestion problems, is horrible. And it's yeah. freaky when you learn like what you're putting into your body, even when you try to be so mindful. Oh, yay. I have a retrograde sticker I can put on my yeah. computer now. So cute. So uh, in terms of... Oh my God. I wish everybody could see Hudson right now. He's laying belly up, belly up face to the sun. The sun's going down. 
I know. Hudson's the happiest creature I've ever known. He's my child. He's my everything. He's my baby. Um, I just got this Ferminator brush for him. Have you guys heard of a Ferminator? It's supposed to help actually for people with allergies because I brush the dander out of his hair. It has a razor blade, but like he doesn't feel it. Just like a nice brush. He, yeah, but he totally hates it. I mean, you'd think it would feel good. Attacks me. I mean, he's not used to it yet. I was trying to do it before you guys got here. Yeah, they just don't like it. I should have started when he was a kitten. But um, so we're coming up here. We just have a few more minutes. So I have a couple more questions. Um, In terms of the podcast, do you have dream guests that you would like to have on the podcast that you're manifesting currently? I want to hear. Currently manifesting Esther Perel and RuPaul. <laughs> not even know about that. What about you? Wow. Currently manifesting Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> and I really want to have Cameron Diaz on for, for the body book. Oh, you should. I know. Do you know Amanda? Yeah, yeah we yeah. do. But I don't know who else. We have a lot of really cool guests coming up. Yeah. Oprah, if you're listening. <laughs> Here's the thing. <laughs> Oprah. Come on, that's a retrograde and also the Balanced Blonde Soul on Fire podcast because it's important that the world knows that you care and connect with those that were inspired by your TV show on... Yeah, Oprah would be so cool. That's fun to hear. Just shoot for the moon, you know? Yeah, shoot for... Exactly. Maybe we could get Gail, you know? Yeah, Gail. <laughs> Oprah's BFF. Uh, yeah, you could totally get Gail. Um, so... For the Soul on Fire podcast, I ask everybody this question. What sets your soul on fire? It can be, you know, brief because I think we've been talking about everything that sets your soul on fire, but just one little like soundbite tidbit about what sets your soul on fire. Turning ideas into things like really gets me hard. So yeah, yeah, I just love, I love just having an idea and then having it come to fruition. And I think that that's, one of my purposes on this earth is to show people that they, if they think about it, they can make it happen. Yeah. You were talking earlier about signs and I'm such a, I don't have like, I mean, I, I do see number of combinations, but twos and threes, but I, that, I think that's just, I think that's like a every person thing where if you see two and three, it's supposed to mean like you're on your path. That's different. Mm-hmm. But I see like connections a lot of, all the time and like I'll see things coming together and then but there, it's just me. Like no one else has, no one else sees those, and no one else. Even when I try to describe them, sometimes it sounds like, okay, Steph, you know. But when those things actually come to fruition, and when I'm like, I saw the sign, put, took one action, and then it like became a thing. It's like I guess the same answer that that makes me just be like, I have so much faith in the universe and like the flow of things when what I see is manifested. Um, so that's definitely something that is the biggest. But also just like good times with good friends and like laughs. Like I am a just love laughing. And like, even though I'm a comedian, like I think everything really makes me laugh. And I just think we just need more of that. Like more just like having fun and enjoying and just like laughing at the absurdity and like letting this really tough time that we're living in just kind of be that like we're observing and we're enjoying and we're just like letting it kind of like live its life cycle. So the more people that are like angry and the, the the less people that are angry, the more people that are happy. That makes me. That's what sets my soul on fire. And also not being allergic to the cat this whole time. Wait, I'm so excited. <laughs> you know, a lot of people with cat allergies are not allergic to Hudson, my cat. I don't know why. I think it's because he's special. But I I love when that happens because also some of my best friends have horrible cat allergies to other cats, but not to him. So that's my soul on fire for sure. Well, I'm so glad to have you guys on. We could talk forever. I mean, there's, yeah, we're going to have to have you back on because there's like whole other conversations I want to open the doors to, but this was so fantastic. Uh, Why don't we tell everybody where they can find you? Well, you can find us at So Retrograde on Instagram. That's soretrograde.com for all of our episodes and all of our events that we have coming up, which we're pretty stoked about. And, uh, you can find me on my often ignored Instagram at Elizabeth Cott. So true. When you post me on Instagram, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I forgot she has that. 
Um, yes, you can find me at that's a retrograde.com and also at Steph Simbari on the internet, Instagram and and Twitter. And that's it. Yeah. Yes. Well, look out for everything that these ladies are doing. There's a lot on the horizon. It's really exciting and so fun to have them on. It's so fun to have people on who just have awesome things to say about just building the careers of their dreams and doing things differently, having the courage to change paths, find balance, and listen to their podcast for so many little known wellness tips because you guys shared a few just now. But I mean, I've learned a ton from your podcast and I am obsessed with wellness. So it's cool. Really cool. Like, wow, yeah. So much to learn and so much to integrate. And like, we should probably go back and listen to our show. <laughs> I know. That's how I feel. That's probably the best part of having a podcast is learning from people yeah. all of the time, having conversations that you would not otherwise be having. It's really cool. So thanks for coming, guys. Thanks it was really fun. Yeah. Thank oh, you. you are. We'll have you back soon. <laughs> Bye.